0: Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Your Time with James Sweetman. Thank you for tuning in. This week I'm diving into a topic that's close to my heart, and that's presentation skills. Uh, As well as being a business and personal coach and author, I'm also a professional speaker, uh, sometimes labelled a motivational speaker, but I view it as professional in that I'm paid to speak to audiences and professional because I treat my speaking engagements as as a core part of my business. I also work one-to-one with people on enhancing their presentation skills and have for many years delivered group workshops on the topic. And I have to say, it's an aspect of my work that I love, seeing someone who was perhaps sick with nerves almost, you know, break through their fear, find their voice and blossom. And I often think a bit like an interview scenario, delivering a presentation is one of those situations where we feel like a spotlight is on us. You know, and any, you know, sense of uncertainty or lack of wordiness or lack of self belief that we have, and let's face it, we all have it, you know, in a presentation scenario it can feel magnified. Next week, I'm going to go into much more detail around strategies for managing those presentation nerves and for boosting self-confidence as a presenter. Um, I'll also shine a light on the causes of nervousness as a presenter. Uh, But this week, I want to speak more broadly on the topic. So if you harbour aspirations of developing your own speaking career, or you simply wish to enhance your presentation skills, I'm going to take you through 10 key lessons that I've learned over the years. The first tip for developing our presentation skills is to start where you're at. You know, there's a quote that is framed in my office and it reads, I give my gifts generously. My focus is being of service to others. As the impact of my gifts increase, so will the arena I'm given to serve. I'm not sure of the origin of this quote, but I love it for several reasons. I think it's one that's valid if you're looking to grow any business, but it's equally true in the context of public speaking. Um, I started my speaking career or, you know, when I established James Sweetman and Associates uh, by giving, you know, free talks. I remember doing one 40-minute breakfast seminar on the topic of time management. I think there was a handful of people there, most of whom I think were there out of, you know, uh, support, friends or relatives. Um, But I used events like that to practice my craft and to put energy into, you know, what I wanted to do and to develop contacts, of course, as well. Yeah, when I think back, before that, you know, I started uh, speaking or delivering presentations when I worked in financial services in the nineties, and uh, I remember once being uh, asked to deliver a talk on the topic of e-commerce. So that by its its it, that terminology, I think dates it itself, probably around the time of Y two K, um, and you have to be a certain age to know that reference. And I think my manager at the time was invited to speak at this conference in London and sort of passed it on to me. And whether I was naive or brave, I'm not sure. But I ended up delivering to a group of about 300 people. And I'd no strategies for managing nerves or, you know, fear of presentations back then. I was was in at the deep end. Uh, But I do recall on that occasion, feeling as if I was in the right place at the right time. It was something that I... I enjoyed, I have to say. And, um, you know, so you start where you're at. Um, and another phrase of mine that sits in with that neatly, I think, is, you know, we're, we bloom where we're planted. Um, you know, we can only work from what we have and where we're at. You know, I know many people avoid the opportunity to present or speak in public, uh, because they're they're at the mercy of their fear or perceived fear rather than seizing it as an or seeing it as an opportunity to break through to try something new, to expand their comfort zone, you know, and even to do something where they can be uh, proud of the effort that they put in, you know, as the as the famous saying goes, feel the fear and do it anyway. What's the worst that can happen? But there'll be more on fears next week I'm going to do another podcast episode dealing solely with managing nervousness and fear as um, as presenters, because that's that's a big topic in itself. Um, it's, it's one that I often describe as, you know, the, the shackles that hold us back as presenters. And um, so from your own perspective, you know, and in terms of blooming where you're planted, you know, what opportunities can you create if you're interested in developing your presentation skills or public speaking skills? You know, can you volunteer? Can you push your comfort zone? You know, and if you do present regularly, as part of your work, how do you wish to show up differently or what would you like to to be different about your experience as a presenter? Tip number two is honing your skills. Public speaking, presentation skills, well, you know, it's a skill like any craft and therefore it requires practice and feedback and continuous fine-tuning. You know, the only way you can really hone your skills is by delivering talks or interacting with audiences, pushing your comfort zone, building your your self-confidence as a presenter. In his book, Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell tells the story of the Beatles, you know, the band who honed their skills playing gig after gig in Hamburg in the early 60s. So by the time the Beatles had their breakout success in 1964, they had performed together live over... Uh, 1,200 times. So if you contrast that with maybe the winners of some of, you know, reality TV programs, um, they just haven't put in the hours. You know, as the saying goes, it takes a long time to become an overnight success. Um, I often think with any skill, um, particularly soft skills, of which presentations is, is one, um, it is about climbing a learning curve. It is about developing your craft and skill as a presenter. And two questions that I use to um, monitor my own progression, as it were, is you know, taking a moment after I deliver something to, to ask myself, well, what did I do well? You know, what worked well? that level of consciousness embeds my learning. And I know that that's in the bag for next time. Um, it might be, you know, that my pacing was good, that I allowed opportunity for interaction, you know, that I remember to breathe, um, you know, that I I did it within the required time scale. Um, I'm just taking a note of everything that works well, because so often we ignore that. Um, then I can ask myself as well, you know, well, next time, what would I do differently? That brings us into the territory of feed forward as opposed to feedback. Um, uh, what would I do differently? So we're not beating ourselves up with the word better here. You know, well, maybe I could have done more of this or less of that. And for me, those two questions are really the handrails on a learning curve. Tip number three for boosting your skills as a presenter is to know that there's more to it than putting some slides together or even knowing your slides. Delivering effective talks is not just about knowing your topic or or having slick slides. Um, The most impactful presenters, when you think about it, rarely use slides or use minimal slides because they use their language to create visual images in people's minds. It's really more about engaging with an audience um, in my business, I like to use the, the term entertainment, you know, which is a combination of entertainment and training. Um, and it, it maybe neatly summarizes what I try to do when I'm working with audiences, you know, to keep it interesting, to keep it engaging, um, not to take myself too seriously. Because if an, if an audience is enjoying what you're doing, Um, they will remember it as a positive experience, and they're also more likely to recall recall the substance of what it is you're uh, sharing with them. I often think that audiences will forgive a presenter for most things, apart from being boring, um, and they also have little tolerance for a presenter who doesn't try to relate to them at an emotional level. You know, basically speaking, we don't like being talked at, we like to be, you know, talked... Uh, to as um, as humans um, you know with that sense of rapport and empathy that's created you know i often say this means speaking to people's hearts as well as their heads um, it means looking for you know the story behind the facts you know so if you're an experienced presenter And again, of course, it depends on the the context in which you're you're delivering your presentations, but it can always be useful to contemplate, you know, what analogies or anecdotes or personal experiences can you share that will bring your message alive for your audience? Because I often think as people, we relate to other people's stories and experiences more than we do with just a, a regurgitation of facts, as it were. Tip number four is about building your credibility. You know, you will only be in front of an audience when you're considered an expert on your topic or at minimum, a credible voice on the topic. So how do you become credible? This brings us into the arena of marketing, marketing ourselves, maybe. And once we're talking about marketing, of course, we're talking about segmenting our audiences or thinking about the ideal audiences or, or who we wish to connect with. You know, trying to be all things to all people is a recipe for mediocrity so you need to know your target audience particularly if you're looking to speak professionally you know what is the problem or issue that you can help uh, resolve for the audience um, what would be a what would be a profile of a typical audience member what challenges do they have how can your target audience find out more about you that's something that i do every so often particularly when i'm contemplating you know, a particular topic that I have, or I'm thinking about, you know, say in the last year or so, how I've adapted many of my talks to reflect the, the COVID-19 situation and the extra pressures and challenges that comes with that. Um, one of the one of the signature talks that I've delivered in that regard, I've, I've labelled, you know, managing ourselves in turbulent times, and it's a topic that has resonated with many audiences. Um, I know for me, because speaking is part of my business, um, I I put extra effort into that. Um, uh, What I also do, of course, as well, is contribute, you know, articles and uh, write blogs, and I use social media in a purposeful way, and and they're all strategies for connecting with potential audiences, and they also build credibility. Uh, Sometimes this means giving away for free with no immediate reward, some of my material and insights. But that's the old adage of using snacks to sell meals. You know, you're letting people into some of your expertise and encouraging them to maybe contact you to to get more detail or more insight or something that's more tailored for them. Um, But I often think from an audience's perspective, they have to think why or they have to feel, well, why is it worthwhile for me to listen to him or her at the top of the room or on the Zoom, as it were. Um, And that always brings us into the territory of credibility. So it is about building your credibility as a speaker and that's about expertise in your particular niche area. Tip number five, so we're halfway there, is about knowing your audience. One of the areas that I struggled with in the past was trying to pack too much information into my talks. I wanted the audience to run with me before perhaps teaching them to walk. You know, that doesn't mean you're condescending or, or patronizing, you know, God forbid, that would be the end of your speaking career, if you were. Um, It means pacing the audience and not overwhelming them. Um, you don't need to tell them everything that you know on a topic. You know, one of the things that I try to do is just to hone in on some key takeaways. So part of my prep is asking myself, you know, what three things do I want the audience to remember? And maybe why is that important? Or what's something that I would like them to do? Um, after receiving the information, you know, and your answer to, to this question will be the backbone of your talk. Um, and that's about putting yourself in the audience's shoes and tailoring your message for them. Tip number six when it comes to building your skills as a presenter is being professional. Now, I started the podcast today by using that word professional um, because I view myself as a professional speaker. Um, professional means you deliver certainty to the people who've asked you to speak, whether they're event organisers or a, or a colleague or a different department within your organisation. Um, it means being on time, easy to work with. As I often say, friendliness is compulsory, returning emails and phone calls in a timely way. But that's all part of just running a professional business. And it also means being clear as to what people can expect your talk to cover. And that's all part of being professional. One of the things that I always find fascinating um, as, uh, you know, as attending different conferences and events is that, you know, many speakers, um, how would I say it? They haven't worked on the timing of what it is that they're delivering. And they're not maybe aware that it's a 20 minute slot and, you know, 30 minutes later, they're still talking. You know, for, for me, that's all part of being a professional speaker as well. If, you know, if it's like, say, part of, a, of an interview or recruitment process where you have to deliver a 10 minute presentation, well, your presentation should be around 10 minutes. And knowing that is, is part of prep, it's part of being professional. Or if I'm asked to deliver a 40 minute talk, it's a 40 minute talk. I'm managing the time as I go. Now, some people need to work on that more purposefully, but that's just part of of being professional. Um, As I often say, you know, being professional is not cutting and pasting a few slides the night before. You know, that might be the equivalent of, I don't know, say someone like Bruce Springsteen deciding on what he'll sing the night before a concert. You know, audiences at presentations, you know, they want to be inspired. You know, they don't want a regurgitation of facts that could be, you know, that they could read themselves from slides when you think about it you know, so what inspires us? I often think there's two key components. One is, you know, that the person delivering the talk at the top of the room or or leading the online session is courageous enough to simply be themselves and relatable, you know, that they're genuine and authentic. Um, and I'll be speaking more about that next week. Uh, but the other one then is that the presenter is passionate about their topic and they have a, a sense of energy or enthusiasm to them, and that they're willing and generous enough to share their their knowledge and expertise. And of course, some subjects are sexier than others, and we don't always have the luxury of speaking on topics that we're naturally passionate about or enthusiastic about. Uh, But we can certainly work on being authentically ourselves when we're invited to deliver a presentation. Tip number seven is about setting your intention to be unapologetically yourself. Um, The best presenters are the best of themselves. They don't copy other presenters' styles or blindly conform to expected norms. They're comfortable enough in their own skin to be brave enough to be authentic. And as I say, that's something that we work on um, over years in many respects, uh, because it's not just a skill for presentations, it's a skill for life. Um, It's impossible for an audience to relate well to you when you're not relating well or being yourself, you know, equally whatever state a presenter is in, whether that's energized, nervous, stressed or positive, um, that's contagious to the room. You know, I'm sure you've sat in an audience uh, witnessing someone deliver at the top of the room and they're very obviously nervous and uncomfortable um, and and you begin to feel that for them you know, it sort of is, is contagious, whatever state the presenter is dominant in will, will spread to the room. Um, but as a presenter, when you set the intention of being yourself, not only will the audience relate more easily to you, um, you just simply feel more relaxed and, and life becomes easier. But how to do that is, um, is a different ball game. It's, it's one of those things that I often say is, is very uh, simple as a concept, but it's not necessarily that easy to do. Um, And that's why I'll be expanding more on that topic next week. Now, Tip number eight might sound like a contradiction to what I've just said about being unapologetically yourself, because tip number eight is uh, what I refer to being a method actor. Now, I often say to clients that great presenters are great actors, not because they're pretending to be someone other than who they are or not because they're acting in a role, because that will always come across as, as fake or insincere. It's because they're purposely connecting with the qualities they want to display You know, we all know from a communication skills point of view, it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it that's impactful. You know, so preparation here can include things like, well, what words do I want the audience to use to describe their experience of listening to me? You know, what tone of voice is most appropriate for my topic? What aspects of my personality do I need to connect with and display as I'm delivering? So when we're looking at that how bit, the the characteristics, the traits, the aspects of our personality, the relevant emotion, you know, that's what method actors do. They look for ways to connect with that to bring it to the fore. And we'd all have references for our emotions, usually linked to past memories. You know, it's a bit like we have to know what confidence is to know when we're lacking it. Um, But this little piece around uh, being a method actor just ensures that we 're not losing sight of how we 're communicating, not just what it is we 're communicating. Tip number nine is a is another bizarre one on the surface, but it's one that I find very impactful myself and it's one I always share with groups when i 'm working with them, and that is to remember that you are you're not under attack like the audience is not going to attack you they're not going to you know, fire a bottle of water or a, wat- or a rotten tomato at you, or I would hope they wouldn't anyway. And this is something that brings us into the territory of managing nerves as a presenter. And as I say, it's something that I'm going to do in much more detail in next week's episode. But it's nice to just recognize it as um, as an issue that we all have to deal with as presenters. And it's one that I still have to deal with as a presenter you know, there are several reasons why nervousness, anxiousness, even panic raises its head when we're faced with delivering a presentation. And the root cause is usually connected with a perceived lack of worthiness or perceived uh, sense of threat to our sense of identity. You know, when we feel we cannot be ourselves, our defense mechanisms kick in, you know, the same fight or flight mode that operates when we feel physically under threat. In the vast majority of presentation scenarios, we're not under threat. But if you think you are, your body will respond defensively, you know, that breathing higher and faster, the tight stomach, the wobbly legs, the sweaty palms, the tense shoulders, I could go on You know, at minimum, unless you get curious as to how you could simply be yourself at the top of the room, any tips you pick up or even any learning from a presentation skills workshop will fall on deaf ears because you don't see yourself as someone who could be comfortable as a presenter and will always conform to our sense of um, our self-identity you know, it's for that reason that whatever change we're seeking in the world around us starts by making changes on the inside. And that's true of life. And it's also true of presentations. The final tip, gosh, we've gotten to the end fairly quickly, um, is maybe the flip of the last one, which is, you know, audiences want you to do a good job. They want you to be comfortable at the top of the room. You know, great presenters take their work and their presentations seriously, but themselves perhaps less so. Uh, Great presenters, of course, remain open to learning and they remain approachable in the audience's eyes because they are willing to be genuine and they show humanity and they share their own experiences. You know, it's difficult to be on someone's side to root for them unless you can identify with their story, their challenges, their outlook on life. Um, And remember when you're sharing your experiences and your opinions, well, no one can disagree with them because they're yours. You know, they're your experiences and your opinions. Uh, Others, the audience may have different experiences and opinions, um, but no one can question the validity of your outlook. As well as feeling more relaxed and confident approaching a presentation when you have the intention of being yourself, it also generates some welcome byproducts. One of the things that I found it does is it boosts our own level of creativity. So when we give ourselves permission to be authentic at the top of the room, we can relax into our own creativity. This might mean delivering material in a fresh way or a more interesting way, um, or we might introduce an element um, of a topic in an an unexpected way that might further engage the audience. One of the other things that we have a tendency to discard when we're being a little bit more genuine and natural at the top of the room is jargon and business speak, you know, jargon, cliches, Stock phrases, buzzwords, they all kill presentations. You know, they're also crutches of ineffective presentations. You know, being genuine and authentic means that we use real, relatable language, sometimes emotional language, and our presentations are richer and more impactful as a result. You know, when we get comfortable at the top of the room, we can feel more comfortable in sharing stories and anecdotes. As I always say, when we speak from the heart, it goes to other people's hearts. Uh, when we can accommodate or incorporate stories and anecdotes into what we're delivering, um, that's, they tend to be what people remember. You know, just as great authors use sense-rich language to enhance their writing, great presenters appeal to the senses as well, using visual language to stir the audience's imagination and emotional language to influence at an emotional level. And all of that comes from giving ourselves permission um, and maybe tapping into our courage to be a little bit more authentically ourselves at the top of the room. So there's our 10 tips. Um, I'll do a quick recap and then some final reflections. Um, But you can probably sense this is a topic that I enjoy because I could speak about it all day. And as I said at the outset, one of the great how would I say it, Um, uh, things that I enjoy about my work, particularly under the umbrella heading of presentation skills, is seeing someone who is really, you know, struggling as a presenter, where they're getting in their own way, where they have many habits that no longer serve them. And I almost see my work as liberating them from from that unhelpful mindset or updating the operating system, as I sometimes phrase, it, getting rid of some of the bugs that are in there that are no longer helpful. Um, so a quick recap on those 10 tips for boosting your effectiveness or impactfulness as a presenter, uh, particularly if you're someone who is looking to, how would I say, it, really hone your skills and, and 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 have a reputation of being a, a good or effective presenter. So the first one was starting where you're at. You know, what opportunities do you have to to enhance your skills? Because you can only really develop them through practice and feedback. And that leads into point number two, which was honing your craft. You know, it's called presentation skills for a reason. There is a skill to it. We have to practice that skill. There's more to it, of course, than just putting some slides together. You know, they're the the vehicle to the destination. You know, they're only your, your method of delivery. Uh, Number four is about building credibility, which is vital if you're looking to to speak as a professional um, speaker. Um, What do you have expertise on? You know, what's the story that you can share? Uh, What solutions do you have for audiences, uh, challenges or problems? Uh, Number five is knowing your audience, of course, which is marketing. Being able to put yourself into the audience's shoes and tailor your message accordingly. Uh, tip number six is about being professional. Now, that's just a a basic business tip in many ways, but it's all the the elements that go with being a presenter as well, knowing your time slot, putting yourself in the audience's shoes, um, letting the organiser or whoever's invited you to speak, you know, know what's involved and what you're intending to do and the desired results, etc., Number seven is having the intention of being unapologetically yourself at the top of the room. I just like that phrase. It's about authentic leadership, really. Number eight is realizing that most audiences, you know, are not going to attack you, um, but yet we can respond instinctively as if we're under threat. Um, You know, that leads into the, the other tip around you know, acknowledging that the audience want you to do a good job, because at minimum, they don't want to feel uncomfortable in their chairs listening to you. And then the other tip in there as well was recognising it's not just what it is you say, but it's how you say it, and connecting with that inner emotion or inner quality, um, which I label as like being a method actor, the likes of Meryl Streep or Daniel Day-Lewis, and how they connect with the Uh, with the emotion they wish uh, wish to portray. So I said at the outset, I work as a professional speaker, and the majority of speaking engagements I get come from people who've already heard me speak. You know, this means that, you know, the audience I'm in front of, whether they're big or small, in person or online, uh, they get my A game. They get 100% of what I have to offer. You know, as I say, irrespective of the fee I'm paid for it or the size of the audience. Now, it took me many years to learn that audiences are as interested in me and my experiences and my stories as they are in the content of what I'm speaking about. You know, I did have to develop the courage to be my true self at the top of the room. Um, I'm always serious about my topic, but I tend to not take myself quite as seriously. And if you think about it, how can an audience relate well to me unless I am being myself at the top of the room? You know, so for this reason, authenticity, giving yourself permission to simply be yourself when talking with the group, you know, that for me has been the most valuable lesson of all. And perhaps that's not just a lesson for, um, you know, in the context of delivering presentations, it's a wider life lesson too. So I hope you found my musings on presentation skills this week um, useful, uh, particularly if it's an area that you're interested in yourself. Um, As I say, I deliver uh, one-to-one coaching sessions, uh, helping people uh, become uh, stronger presenters, move beyond limiting mindsets that they have. And of course, I also deliver workshops in this area as well. More information on all of that sits on my website, jamesweetman.com. And there's other tip sheets and articles there as well. So thank you for tuning in this week. Next week, I'm going to do a follow-up episode where the focus is on managing our nerves as presenters, which I know for many people is, is the foundation block. It's, it's the bigger issue because, you know, you know what it is you want to say, but that nervousness or, or anxiousness inhibits us. Um, and that's something that we're going to, we're going to tackle head on in next week's episode. So thank you as ever for tuning in. And until next week,